Welcome to the Queen Trail Podcast. Meditation doesn't have to be sitting still and having an empty mind. The journey is such a beautiful thing because we are all on a journey. You want to make sure you have some kind of distribution plan, at least have an idea of it, because you can make this really amazing film and it only gets seen by your family and friends. Old Hollywood is still intact. Every horse runs hard, but when they win, and they know it. They've got this little sass about them. It was pretty rough. I had to go into the water and with my med pack, swim to the beach, treat these guys, put them on my back, swim out to the helo. And I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen those before. And I said, what are those? And before I could even finish the sentence, she said, oh my God, you didn't touch them, did you? Even if monarchs go away and we never see one again, because there never will be monarchs again if they die out, it is just a little indicator of larger threats my dad said, so what were you guys doing in the desert? And I said, we were taking nude photos. Hey everyone, welcome back. I hope you had a great week since the last time that we got together. I am going to do a Q&A today, just responding to questions that you guys have sent in, just a few of them. But before I get to that, I wanted to talk about the little house on the prairie that my life has become lately. Aside from the garden that I'm always talking about, if you are new, there are tomatoes and eggplants and pomegranates and kumquats and pumpkins, watermelons, lettuces, Italian dandelions. I mean, there's like so much growing out there. I'm sure I forgot something else. So that's going completely crazy. And I think especially because of that tropical storm that came through, Tropical Storm Hillary, which was very, very mild here where I'm at. We were so far out on the perimeter of it that all we got was this gentle day-long shower. I mean, it was literally nonstop, but it was a warm day and it was just so lovely. It was like being in the tropics and we really loved it. I know a lot of places got hit hard by that, so I don't want to minimize how terrible that storm was to some places, but here it was really a nice little reprieve from the summer. Anyway, my yard loved it and everything's going bananas out there. And then I started a project in the house. I'm always doing something. I don't think that I posted the macchioli that I made when I went to Korea. I tried their rice wine, which is kind of sweet and somewhat different than than anything you would ever expect. I've never tried anything like it. It was delicious. It's effervescent. It tasted like summer fruit. It was just amazing. So of course, when I came back to Los Angeles, I tried to find some macchioli and I couldn't find it anywhere. I've talked to my Korean friends and all of them are like, yeah, it is not available out here. So then I found a recipe and I was like, I'm making some. This is not that hard. But one of the things that you need to keep in mind is that this stuff is being made at a brewery with, you know, aeration systems and all of that sort of thing. If you're doing it at home, you kind of want to do this in a garage or somewhere that there's plenty of airflow going through and that is not in the general living area because as it ferments, it is releasing these alcohol scents. And so my whole house smelled like a freaking brewery. 
And, you know, you've got to figure out what you're going to do with all of the sediment because there's a lot of rice left over that is not part of what you're drinking. You can compost it, of course, because it's all vegetable ingredients. But I'm not sure that I'm going to be making it again. It was delicious and there was that. So now what I am making is a fruit vinegar. And what I did over a couple of months was collect like my strawberry tops and even whole strawberries where, you know, a part of it was not so great. And I'd cut that away and I'd just throw it into this bag and I'd keep it all in the freezer. And I just fermented them. And it's really easy to do that too. It's just water, apple cider vinegar, and your fruit. And you need a gallon container and three weeks of stirring twice a day. I just strained it out this morning. And now you just need another six weeks. You don't even have to stir it during these six weeks. So this is way, way easy. And I will be posting a video once that whole process is done. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to have some amazing salads with this fruit-based vinegar. And I'm thinking of adding some lemon verbena sprigs to it. If you've never smelled lemon verbena, you must find some near you. It's, they call it the Cadillac of essential oils. And these leaves smell like lemon drops and you can make tea with it. I like to trim some of the leaves and then you throw them in your sugar bowl if you're gonna make some frosting and just keep it in the sugar bowl for about two weeks so that that scent and that flavor really infuses into your sugar and it's the most amazing frosting, honestly. So anyway, that's going on, but I've been dying to tell you about this. On Friday, I was hiking with Sophia there's a place that we like to hike at nearby the ocean here, and it's these rolling hills right above cliffs. And there's just miles and miles of these super tall, I'm talking like seven, eight feet tall remnants of mustard plants that were flowering like crazy during the super bloom, right? And so we're hiking along and one of the things that I love about that spot is that there will be new paths. And I don't know if it's like we walked past these paths because there's so many different little paths that break off of the main one that it's either we've missed them in the past or the vegetation had grown in front of it and kind of blocked it or hikers have created new paths or there's also a lot of mountain bikes that go through there. So this particular path was a little bit less beaten than the other paths were. So I said, oh, let's go that way. And as we walked through there, you know, again, it's very densely packed in with these mustard plant sticks or whatever you want to call them. And so there's a lot of birds that take off because I just think they're normally not disturbed. You know, they're hanging out in this densely packed area lots of morning doves, lots of other little birds, um, tons of lizards. Oh my God, there's lizards all over the place. And so we're really watching our step to make sure that there's no snakes. There's signs everywhere, you know, that it's rattlesnake country. I have run into rattlesnakes 
a couple of times over many years. I mean, I've they're not like constantly there, but you do have to watch for them. And a lot of gopher snakes are there. So we're watching for that. And, you know, birds flying overhead, bunnies running off and really making a ruckus. So it's kind of like you can get into your own head and be like, what's stalking me? Um, which <laughs> I don't generally do. I just think it's, it's funny to do that. But um, as we're walking along, I notice this kestrel flying through. Kestrels are also known as sparrow hawks. They're a smaller hawk and something fell out of its talons, I guess. So I walked over towards it and it is a little mouse. I mean, I'm talking a teeny tiny baby mouse. It's about the length of from the tip of my pinky to the second, that second knuckle there, the big one. And its eyes are still glued shut. It's got no fur on it. And it was just kicking and turning and throwing its head back. Like it was just incredibly miserable, poor little thing. And I was kind of looking at it, you know, it's like one of those things where it's nature, right? Um, but also it's this vulnerable little baby. And half of my mind is like, you know, if uh, if you've watched Charlotte's Web, one of the scenes that I just always remembered and I thought it was so cruel. I know that Charlotte's father was a dear, sweet man, but he made that statement to Fern that Wilbur, this little runt, you know, she wanted to keep it and he just kept telling her no, you know, like, let's go out and take care of it, basically. And it's life because it's not going to survive Fern. It's just literally not going to survive. And Fern's just standing her ground. And she's like, no, I am going to take care of this little runt. And he's going to make it. And of course, he did. And then he befriends Charlotte. And you know the rest of the story. And, you know, as I've grown and become older, I understand the harsh reality and harsh kindness of what Charlotte's father was trying to do. And so half of my mind is going, this baby is not going to make it. This is nature. Let nature take care of its own. And then the other half of my mind is resolutely standing there going, absolutely not. It's the fern in me. The struggle is real, right? We have these inner struggles that go on all the time. There's no right answer. But here's what I did. I picked it up and um, the whole time I'm like, shit, 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 what are you doing? It's in my hand. It's like, great, you touched it, it's yours. So I did, I brought it home. Sophia and I YouTubed a couple of videos on the way home. We stopped at a pet store and picked up some weaning formula. It's like kitten formula, which is one of the things they also say goat milk. And then I happened to have a syringe at home without the needle on the end, of course. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna pull some of that milk into the syringe and then I can feed this little mouse. The The end of this syringe was so big compared to this little guy that I was worried that he was gonna drown. And I'm telling you, it was just the little droplet that was still, you know, there was still enough like surface tension 
to hold that drop to the rest of the milk that was in the syringe. So it wasn't even like dripping off of there or anything. And I'm like, he's just going to drown in a drop of milk. Like this is not going to work. And he looked absolutely miserable. He's just turning his head all over the place. And so I looked up some more videos and I found out that you can dip a unused brand new clean, super fine tipped paintbrush into the milk and then feed your little mouse that way. So that's what I've been doing. Um, I don't know that he's going to make it you know, I I have no idea, but I have this little tiny makeup pouch. It's very small. And so I put a little square of tissue in there, like Kleenex tissue for cushioning so that he's nice and comfy. And it goes in my bra just to keep him warm like mama would. I didn't know what else to do. We do have a box for him, but you need to put a heating pad under it and the heating pad turns itself off. Of course, he's got to sleep somewhere at night. Otherwise, he'll get crushed. But he gets cold in that box. Um, I don't have the alarms on to be waking up every couple of hours to feed him overnight. So he's going... I generally sleep six to seven hours. So he's going about six hours to those seven hours without food. If I get up in the middle of the night, I am taking him into the kitchen, turning on the lights, getting his food, uh, that sort of thing. But otherwise, he's going a good stretch without eating. And then, of course, I turn on the heating pad again for him. But I've got the house set so that it's warmer than normal. And then we just have fans on us. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it can seem really futile and dumb and just not worth it to our big giant lives to be doing something like this. And mostly I wouldn't even say anything to anybody. It would just either be like this little mouse made it or this little mouse didn't. And um, it was an experience. And I really feel like... Um, like it's important to care for the little things that are in life and that's just me and you know like if that makes it silly whatever it's making me happy you know sometimes you have to do the things that everybody else thinks is not worth their time their energy their concern whatever whatever it is and you just have to do it because it is worth your time your energy your concern it's making you happy. It's giving you some purpose. It's teaching you a lesson, you know, about how important things that are so much just almost infinitesimally smaller than us, how important those things are. So um, I'm looking forward to hopefully having a good end to this story. But we'll see. In the meantime, yesterday I went to my dear friend Kim's place. She has regularly gotten a bunch of girlfriends together. We all went to high school together, so we've known each other forever and ever, and some of us even longer than that. And she did this paint and sip thing where most people probably already know about this, but you show up, there's an easel with a canvas on it and you've got a little palette with all the different color paints that you're going to use a couple of paint brushes a water cup and that is your station 
And there's a teacher there who's going to teach you how to create an amazing masterpiece of your own. And of course, there's sips. Kim made, I don't know what was in it. I know pineapple was the primary flavor and it was freaking amazing. It was blue. So maybe some blue Caruso. And of course, my little mouse came along in my bra. Nobody knew it was he was there. But I did. And as we were talking, you know, this instructor was so patient with us calling to each other and chattering. And, you know, even though we see each other quite frequently, there is still is a lot of time that goes by in between. And so we've got a lot to share. And the instructor just went with the flow. She took pictures of us. She paused when she needed to. We were having a lot of fun. And of course, Mousy came up in the conversation because somebody asked me what I'd been doing lately. And so, of course, I shared some version of what I just shared with you. And I'm going to be honest, there was some resistance to even seeing this mouse um, and a lot of jokes because, I mean, who walks around with a mouse in their bra? And it was pretty funny. I think it's hilarious. And as the day progressed, of course, I'm there for a long time, which means that I've got to get up several times. It's so silly. I took a freaking diaper bag for this mouse, basically. I had a syringe of milk. I had the paintbrush. I had extra Kleenexes in case I needed it for anything. And so I'd get up and I'd get my little paintbrush and his little milk ready and start feeding him and people would come around and look at the mouse. And like with so many wonderful things that happen in life, right, it started conversations and people were like, oh my God, he is so cute because he is. There's something about that innocent vulnerability and just that blind trust that animals have, especially when they're this little, like they're either going to die or they're going to be taken care of. Um, You know, I mean, I suppose if I left them on that path, there would have been an in-between of an extended limbo there, extended period of time, that purgatory of not knowing which way you were going to go as a mouse. I don't know what the capacity of their thinking is, but there's just this blind trust that something is being thrust into your mouth and that is food, that you are going into a pouch into somebody's bra and that is warmth. And it just it just brings out the best in people in a really odd and delightful way that we only notice when we're in those moments and in those situations. It's it's not foreign to us, but it's always amazing when it happens. And I showed up with a mouse that didn't have a name because I have no idea what I want to name him. It takes me a long time to think of a pet's name. Um, I wanted to call him. <laughs> I told Sophie, we need to call him Coastal Sage Scrub. And she said, no, you cannot call him that, Mobs. People will laugh at you. So he's got a pretty long name anyway. Right now, it is Ratatouille Stewart Chip Mickey Despero. And I am sure that it is only going to lengthen by the day. Uh, Y'all are more than welcome to write me and tell me what you think he should be named or add another name to it. I mean, I would love to see every letter of the alphabet starting off a name because I want him to live for that long. Mice, this little, you're supposed to feed him like every 
one to two hours. And I am trying to find a rescue place to take him in because I don't know what I'm going to do during the week with him. Um, Right now, clearly he's okay. We figured Monday out. Um, I'm not sure what I'm doing on Tuesday with him. And I really would like him to make it. And again, you know, you just don't know. And um, it's just he's that young and got picked up by a freaking hawk. I don't even know what happened to mama. So he's he's had a little bit of an adventure. And I'm also preparing for the reality that I might not find a rescue for this little mouse. So I've got plenty of this kitten formula. It comes in a big giant can. So there's lots of it. And I'm trying to acclimate my cats to this little guy. I have an aquarium that he definitely can live in once he gets big enough. So there's a possibility that I'll be posting pictures of this little guy running around and being just another member of our family. So that's this week's episode of Little House on the Prairie. And it's hilarious because a couple of people have asked me to do stuff and I'm like, I can't, I've got a mouse to take care of. (laughs) But like I said, I touched it and it is now mine and I'm going to take care of it. And with that, let's go ahead and get into the questions. One of the questions that I get a lot of is what is the best and worst part of creating a podcast? And it, you know, sometimes it comes through as two questions and, or, you know, different amalgamations of this particular question, but they're basically all the same thing. To me, I'm going to say that the best part of podcasting is getting to talk to my friends, getting to talk about the things that light them up, getting to talk to them about the things that I think are so amazing about them, the amazing things that they're doing, their thought process into getting to accomplish those things. Just every part about it, you know, the history of it, the ideology of it, it's amazing because I get to listen to the people that I admire teach me how they got to accomplish something that I wish I could accomplish. You know, we're all so different and we all focus on different things and we all have such different paths in our lives that we've taken to get to where we're at. And, you know, again, life is a lot like that hike that I go on. I mean, sometimes you have to pass up a path. Sometimes you don't see a path because it's blocked off. And sometimes you find paths that you haven't seen before that are newly carved, or maybe you're the one that's carving that brand new path. And it's all those choices. It's all those possibilities. It's all of those opportunities that are out there. There's a million ways to get from point A to point B. And when you choose one path, you have to relinquish the other paths. Sometimes you can make your way back to one. Sometimes you totally have to go backwards and start at square one and find a different path. So all of that stuff happens. Um, But I love, love, love hearing people who have accomplished things or been through things that I haven't gone through or that I haven't accomplished that I absolutely admire that I think is amazing. Tell me how they got there. Tell me what 
their perspective was, what their goal plan was, or maybe it was just serendipity. Things just worked out in their favor. I think there's a lot of things that do work out in our favor, but we're always kind of working towards something, even when we feel like we're not. Um, Or when you are so focused on something else that you just can't, because, you know, again, it's those paths, right? You know, you might have children, you might have school, work, who knows, an illness, an accident. There's things that happen in life that can knock you off of your chosen path and just suddenly put you on a different path. But sometimes it feels like we are so busy that we cannot do or work towards what our goals are. But even during those times, you are working towards those goals. So anyway, um, I'm getting kind of philosophical there because that is another part of what I love about my podcast is that I get to think about these things. I get to really parse out what's important, what's new that I just heard somebody share with me that I can apply to my own life that I can use as a tool to get me through different paths and choose the right ones to get to where I want to be. So that is something that's really gratifying to me that is just, you know, that just keeps me coming back is being able to connect with my friends and my guests that I have on this program. Hands down, the worst part is editing. I hate editing. I hate it. And, and I love it too. <laughs> it's one of those things that I have that love hate affair that we all find ourselves in with certain things in our lives. And editing is definitely one of those. I love to re-listen to a conversation and laugh and smile again at those same places that made me laugh and smile and reminds me why I love this person so much that I'm talking to. But there's a lot of things that go into the editing process. Um, If it was just cutting out blank spaces or like I just said, um, right now, if it was just cutting those things out, There's things that we all do. We say um a lot or we're really quiet. The ums and the quiets and the stutters and, 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 and it, 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 it is. And then you continue your sentence. Those things I have learned, everybody does. And they're sounds that we make to fill the silence while we're thinking. And if it was just taking those things out, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But there's a lot more. And none of this is bad. None of it is bad. Every single person does it. And I really, really, really want to emphasize that because we all take time to think. It's not like a thought is formed and it immediately comes out. And it just depends on how you think. Some of us think in pictures and we've got to translate that into words to get it out of our mouths and and not just into words, but into words that make sense to other people and are linear. Some of us don't think linearly and we have to reorient things in our brain in order for it to come out. And, you know, I'm not a scientist or an expert or anything like that in any of these fields, but this is the stuff that I personally, having 
almost two years now of experience podcasting and editing have found. And I really believe that this is what it's attributed to. And again, every single person does it. None of us are perfect orators. And it's okay. And it's given me a lot of patience in listening. And it's given me a lot of compassion to myself, especially when I have a hard time getting a thought out. And the person that I'm talking to is giving me a side eye or you see their hands start going like, get it out, get it out, get it out. And if you find yourself with somebody who's doing that, I just want to say, there's two things like that's their problem. If they can't give you the grace to communicate with them, it's clearly a bad time for them. Stay in control. Just let them know that you could come back and walk away. Because what ends up happening is you get so stressed out that you do kind of lose that confidence to be able to finish your sentence. And it could end up being, you know, a disaster that just verifies to you that you don't know how to speak, which is totally not true. And I'm telling you that from two years, I'm almost at, well, this is episode 90. I'm almost at 100 episodes of talking to people. And I haven't met a single person who doesn't know how to speak. And that's under pressure, because a lot of my friends come on here, and they're like, I don't know what to say. I don't know that I'm going to do a good job. It's a little intimidating to know that you're going to be speaking on a podcast episode, but they come on and we're just talking. And sometimes I am telling you, I have my elbows on my desk. My hands are right on my headphones. I am listening so intensely and just going, holy cow. Like, I knew that this was an admirable person, but geez, they are so eloquent and articulate and precise and direct about what they're talking about. So don't ever let anybody make you feel like you cannot speak. The fact of the matter is, unfortunately, that we all do get in rushes. And there's some times when the pressure is so high that we just feel like we can't slow down long enough for somebody to get a thought out that we probably need to hear. So with what I just said, try to catch yourself when you're feeling like, I cannot stop. And that hand starts rolling around in that exaggerated speed it up motion. You know, when we get to that point, we're in a place where we need as much grace and compassion as the speaker does. So just try to be a little kinder, you know, and maybe that's a signal to take a breath and step away and just take a little walk. And sometimes that's all that that means. Sometimes that is what the pressure is all about, is that you need to regroup, you need to take a walk, ground yourself, and come back and try it again. And go seek that person out that maybe you didn't have the patience 10 minutes earlier 
so that you could hear what they had to say because it might be really important or it might shrink that mountain of work that you see in front of you. I know that this was not the question, but again, these are the things that I've learned in the past two years. It doesn't mean that I've mastered them because trust me, I get very stressed out at times as well. So some of this might be me self-advising But, you know, take what you can from this. These are great lessons. And if it's useful to you, all the better. I have also learned to listen better. Um, I know this wasn't the question. It wasn't like, what have you learned? But what is one of the best parts of creating a podcast? It's learning. It's learning. It's learning how to listen better. It's learning how to understand somebody else, listening to somebody else's thought process so that I can understand where they're coming from. Because this is a totally different brain. Mine needs to just kind of be set aside. I know how mine works um, 20% of the time. I think the other 80% of the time, I have no idea what my brain is doing, but it does. It creates that kind of compassion and that kind of connection. I think connection is listening to understand, to understand somebody else's perspective, somebody else's point of view, goals. You know, you start to to get these little nuances, right? Like, what makes them happy? What are they passionate about? Who is this person? You get a fuller picture, and having that fuller picture provides greater appreciation for the other. And it kind of slows things down to a point where you can actually have that because we live in such a fast paced society. Um, The other thing that I like is having a podcast provides the space and the time for those conversations because that fast pace does not allow any space and it doesn't allow any spare seconds a lot of times for you to actually have a conversation with somebody else. So even though editing drives me crazy, there's a lot of good things and a lot of things that just are drawbacks and difficult about podcasting, especially when you're doing it on your own. And so everything that I'm saying right now is because I do every single part of my podcast on my own. I get the guests, I come up with the topic, which is always like, what is amazing about this person? I do the interview, I edit, I upload, I market, I do, you know, all of that stuff. I love every part of it. This is about people. This is about human beings. This is about connecting. And it's people driven. That's my answer. I don't know if I answered it properly or not. For some reason, I'm in a very philosophical mood this morning um, with this little baby mouse in my bra. But uh, ask me again. Please keep sending in the questions because I might have a different answer next time. So um, how long does it take to produce an episode is another question that I get a lot. There's been some episodes that have taken a monumental amount of time. I would like my episodes to take no more than 12 hours. 
but there have been episodes that'll take me two weeks. So um, it just depends. And again, I think I kind of answered this question in my response to the last question. I, I guess the the actual answer to this is that it takes as long as it takes to produce an episode. I usually tell people it'll be a couple of weeks because I mention this occasionally a little bit here and there. I do have another job that I do in addition to podcasting and that takes up a lot of my time. So I cannot dedicate 100% of my days to podcasting. But when I have my vacations, I'm generally able to knock these episodes out in two days or less time. And that is interviewing, editing, uploading, marketing, all of that kind of stuff. Oftentimes people want to know how long an interview is. And I'm going to say the average is about an hour and a half because you're warming up a little bit at the beginning. You don't want to just like jump right into what you're going to be talking about, right? I want to make sure that my guests feel comfortable that they're getting some value out of the experience. And of course, me personally, my podcast is to keep things as organic and conversational and comfortable as possible for the people I'm talking to. You know, I really want them to enjoy themselves in the time that they're spending with me. And I love being that kind of a host. So if it has to take three hours, I'm great with that. I've done things where somebody has said, I am so nervous. Will you come to me? And so I'll pack this big old giant bag and I'm happy to do that because I get to see this person in person, right? And so that always brings a little bit of a different dynamic to the episode because we're right there and the sound quality does suffer some despite having a good mic and that sort of thing, because I'm actually going to a place that's not designed for recordings. And that's okay. You know, there's some cool sounds that come in. And and again, organic, organic is the goal for this podcast. So you're not going to get perfect, high quality audio every single time. And I am 100% okay with that. And you know, please again, write in if you've listened to any episodes that have been just so poor quality that you were like, I got to turn this off. I just can't handle that. I do try to put out as clean of a product as I can. And at the beginning, if I don't think that the episode is as clean as I'd like it to be, because I just can't edit out sounds without sacrificing the content I will put a little disclaimer at the beginning, like, you know, just be aware that this was recorded live. And so it's, you know, not as high quality audio. I've also had episodes that have taken a really long time to record. (laughs) One of my most memorable ones is episode 14 with Ed Cray, who is an environmentalist, scientist, musician, you name it. He's he's pretty amazing. He lives in Colorado. I live in Los Angeles. And we had a heck of a time connecting. I sent him an invitation link and he just could not 
get his computer to work. And also he was so amazing. Like so many of my guests have been. Jenny Ruiz is one of them. She is on regularly doing tarot readings, astrology, meditation, that sort of thing. We just started that collaboration. So go back and listen to, I didn't give her an episode number, but she's right in between 88 and 89. Uh, doing the August reading. And so her September reading is coming right up. But she also is episode five and episode 85. And she and Ed both had super difficult times connecting with me with all of the links that I sent them. And we're super patient and really focused and super professional. I mean, like, that's another thing that's so amazing about my friends is they treat these episodes as seriously as I do. It's a true collaboration. And I have nothing but the utmost respect for my friends. I really, really appreciate this. And if it's like I said, if it's going to take three hours, four or five, a full day, I'm there right alongside making sure that this episode gets out, not because it's my episode, but because it's our episode. And I really want my guests voices to be heard. I want their thoughts to be out there. I want people to relate and be inspired and motivated. It's it's true. It's amazing. There are not enough podcasts out there that are doing this, in my opinion. You know, there's a lot of celebrity stuff. There's a lot of notoriety stuff. I mean, and they're all great, you know, but like when I go and take a look at what's out there, this podcast is really unique. And I think that makes it really important because there is not as much of this kind of content out there because connecting with people is just amazing. And it brings in a lot of what's missing in this fast paced society It gives people a chance to slow down and really think about the things that matter in their lives. And in turn, I hope it's inspiring and motivating and provides some sort of relatability to listeners. Um, So there's a lot that's going on here. But anyway, those two, they took so long and were so amazing about the whole thing. And um, Ed, I think that we struggled with that connection, trying to get it working. And his wife, Jan, who is really techie, got in the act and tried to get him connected. And we ended up working on it for so long that we took a lunch break and then came back and recorded that. So there's a lot of like really fun, touching stories. I mean, I cannot ever say how much I love my friends. I just, I really, really, really treasure every single one of them and consider myself really fortunate to have these people in my life. They're what makes the world go round. I'm going to go to my next question because I've taken several breaks in between to feed this little mouse. And I've learned a couple of things before I get to that next question. One of them is that when I get ready to feed him, I can't just dip that paintbrush into the food. So I've done two things. One, I was giving him straight kitten formula, and I think it's a little too intense for him. Whatever that word is, it's just like 
too much. So I have diluted it with water because I noticed that he was very thirsty and he really likes it. But I can't just give it to him as soon as he's out. Like he needs a little bit of attention. So I got a Q-tip because he's so tiny. And so I just like run that along his little body and it makes him super happy and then like kind of calms him down a little bit. And when I give him the paintbrush again with the milk on the end, he drinks it and it's like, oh my gosh, yes, he might make it. So anyway, um, I'm gonna get to my next question because I got a mouse to take care of. Um, Do you really have that many friends and are they really that cool? Yes, I do, I do. I am a people lover. Honestly, I just have always admired the things that other people do in their lives and the adventures that they go on and the things that occur to them and their intrepidness and confidence and resiliency and all of that kind of stuff. And I see that in every single one of my friends. It's just amazing. And they are extraordinary to me. I hope that when they come on to this program and share those stories with you, that you also see the same thing. But um, the, truly, I, I've got some really neat people in my life and I treasure them with all of my heart and just really consider myself a very fortunate person to have them here. And again, they are what inspired this podcast. It was like, holy cow, you did what? No, we need to talk about this. Like, that is awesome. And, you know, like in a really fantastic way, it's so easy to just become jaded with the things that are going on in the world. And again, I'm always talking about media because that that is where we get the majority of our information is the news, social media on the radio, you know, it's all like, it's really easy to get super jaded because there's so many terrible things that are going on in life all over the world. Life is kind of, um, one of my favorite sayings is that life is unfair. It just is. That's one of the things that's guaranteed in life. And it's up to us to find the cool stuff in it. And this podcast is my way of finding the cool people, the ones that give me hope, that return my faith in humanity, and to often extraordinary levels beyond those that I even imagined. Because there's so many people who are thinking outside the box, outside of those parameters, outside of those lines that we're supposed to always paint in, And the stuff that's outside of the box is wild. And sometimes it takes somebody else to show you those fantastic things. So big thanks to all my friends. Yes, I have many in my life. Yes, I am very grateful for them. So those are my answers. I'm going to go take care of a mouse. And hopefully I will see you here again next week. Please be sure to keep sending in your questions, your comments. I do read them all. And um, if you have a fun, amazing, inspiring story to share, drop me a line. I'd love to talk to you because 
the world does need more amazing stories. Please take a moment to rate this episode. Your ratings really do help move this podcast closer to the top of searches so that my friends and I can reach more people. I'm looking forward to sharing more upcoming In the Company of Friends talks with you. So be sure to follow me on the socials and the dot com all at the Queen Trow podcast. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E podcast. I am Syl Annan, the Queen Trow, and until next time, I wish you passion, adventure, friendship, inspiration, elegance, and beauty.